Welcome to this MDA National Podcast, Diplomacy in a Hierarchy, which explores tips to help you approach a difficult conversation with a senior colleague. This topic arose when Residential Medical Officer Dr. Eddie Kim and MDA National Medical Legal Advisor Dr. Kali Kim discussed considerations if asked to practice outside your usual role in a public health crisis. This time around, Kali recruits another expert to also give us advice on tackling the tricky chats junior doctors may need to have with senior staff. Hi, Kylie. Thanks so much for joining me again. You're welcome, Eddie. Um, I really enjoyed our chat last time about things to think about if you're asked to perform a, a different role in a crisis. Yeah, so I just wanted to discuss with you about how to approach a difficult and daunting conversation with a senior colleague. So I thought it would be good to get some tips um, from someone who uh, leads medical teams all the time. So I wondered if you wouldn't mind if Dr. Paul Eleftheriou, who's a Chief Medical Officer, joined us today. No, no, not at all. I think that'd be super helpful. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Kylie. How are you going? Happy to give my input. Hi, Paul. Thanks for joining us today uh, to think about ways we might approach having those challenging conversations with people at a more senior level in the hospital. Um, do you agree that these potentially difficult conversations are important? Yeah, certainly uh, conflict is inherent in teamwork. It's part of every workplace and certainly repressed conflict can just get worse and escalate. So, um, my advice, as a, as a not only as a chief medical officer, but someone senior in a healthcare organisation, is to manage it and do something about conflict. We've all had those conversations where you naturally leave the uh, the awkward bit till the end, uh, and then it just gets too uh, anxiety provoking, and you let it go. So having these awkward conversations. Uh, makes you better at it. Mm. And, and this is especially important when you're learning this skill set. This does not come naturally. I've been doing this job uh, seven years in different organisations and uh, it's it's never super easy. But it's also really important to build this skill at the outset because it actually makes it a happier and more positive uh, workplace. Right. When you resolve conflicts, in my experience, every single time has improved the relationship. Having the little mini conflict resolution chats is, is really important because uh, you, uh, you you get better at it. But doing it more frequently lowers the threshold uh, so that way when something big happens and, and there's a major conflict, um, it makes it easier for you to broach that topic and it becomes more smooth and less awkward. Okay. The preceding tip when you even are thinking about having a, an awkward conversation or a conflict resolution chat is to reflect, you know, do I need to have this chat? Um, and nine times out of 10, you do need to have these chats just because you're thinking about it. Um, uh, so reflect sometimes, just very, very infrequently, you might say, I'm going to um, choose my battles and not have that conversation now. Uh, I'll leave it for another time. Um, I'll sleep on it. But if you come to the conclusion that that chat needs to occur, yeah. therefore, rehearsal is the next step. And I sincerely mean rehearsal by you actually going through it uh, on your own. Sometimes going through it with a trusted mentor or colleague or a partner or family member because they will be good sources of feedback about how you shape your message. The more you hone in that skill, you just get better and better at it the more you do it um, by learning from different people. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I think practice probably makes perfect. But you also mentioned on reflecting. Can you tell me more about specifically what I can reflect on? Sure. So first, Eddie, you want to uh, identify and address any biases you, you may have and uh, keep an, an open mind. So what I mean by biases is you might be feeling antagonistic towards um, a senior colleague because they're senior and you're intimidated 
uh, and it's natural. We're, we're all a little bit intimidated by senior people. Then you need to identify specifically what's bothering you. So you need to sometimes just sit there and say, okay, why was I bothered by what by what uh, uh, Fred um, did? Why? And actually having a bit of that, what I sometimes call a bit of a mental audit. Um, why am I feeling this way? It's really important because sometimes that might actually make you think that I don't need to do anything about this because this is natural that I'm annoyed by this particular area. But it's not their fault. It's a system problem, perhaps. Okay. And then you need to also understand that we're, we're all different. So you need to also be prepared to accept that that's how things are going to be. Now, I never would ever condone someone walking away and saying, I was bullied and, and that's okay. No, that's not what I'm talking about. More so, okay, maybe I, I was frustrated by that person because they couldn't help me. And as long as they weren't being rude and you weren't being bullied and it wasn't uh, harassment, which is, again, they're all principles that we can never accept, then that might be okay. That might be okay with not having a solution, but at least having an understanding and an, an acknowledgement things are tough. And I say this specifically because in healthcare, things are tough. So we can't um, uh, have unrealistic expectations. We need to understand that sometimes just um, putting it out into the open is therapeutic enough. So you need to walk in there thinking into your conversation or conflict scenario and say, I want to walk out at the very least comfortable and not afraid and I want to feel safe. Right. Um, and I want to be able to do my job properly. So you need to sometimes have that thought, uh, what's the best case scenario, worst case scenario before you walk in. That's good. And I think it's important also to bring um, Kylie into this because given her medical legal experience, is there anything else that you think we should consider before a difficult conversation? I completely agree with what you've said, Paul. Like I, I think about getting yourself into that really collaborative mode, thinking about what the other people are thinking about, so what their concerns and priorities are as well. Um, so they might have other issues um, they're thinking about, like, you know, patient safety and cost effectiveness and being fair. So just trying to really brainstorm and think about all the possible solutions and is there a win-win for everyone or not? And, yeah, you're right, it might not be that it's your best solution, but is it at least tolerable for you and for the other party as well? And, yeah, I, I do agree with you, though, if it is something that you do want to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation, because as you mentioned, there are uh, times when it might not be appropriate to have the one-on-one -on -one and you might need something more formal. But it's just thinking about how can I work with my colleagues and, and make a, a, an outcome that's good for everyone. Thanks so much, Kylie. Yeah, I think, I think as you both said, you know, you have to be open, you have to be respectful, but any tips on specific behaviours of, being more open and being more respectful? Yeah, Eddie, it's, look, it's, first of all, it's really important to not beat around the bush. Mm. As I've already said, these things are always awkward. Um, but when you leave it, when you tack it on to the end of your conversation, it, it just heightens the anxiety. And I can reflect on at least 50, 50 times where I've done it badly over my career because I've left things to the end. So just come out with it at the start. Uh, and don't beat around the bush. But also, conversely, don't dwell on it um, either. So if you need to make your points concise, and there's actually a, a framework that we recommend that I use and I teach called the DESK framework, um, and have these things in person. As much as you can, have these conversations in person, as long as you're practising public health measures as recommended. Uh, because in person, you can read the room, you can read the body language, the mood of the person, and that's important because it's a live thing, so you need to adapt your style, if someone's feeling very 
um, emotional and sensitive, you will stop and soften your approach maybe. If someone, however, is not really engaging, you will try a different body language and a different style to engage with them. But it also helps you be more personable because as I said earlier, I really mean this, these conversations improve the relationship. So if you go in there thinking, my outcome is to improve my relationship with this person, then you want to put on your best personable self. Yeah, gotcha. And lastly, before I finish, I think it's also important, um, as, I, as I've already said, sometimes you walk into these uh, situations uh, and you might walk out with not the, the outcome you wanted. Um, so it's okay to disagree. It's okay for you to walk away thinking um, we agree to disagree, and that's okay as long as, I, as I said earlier, there's comfort, there's respect, there's safety um, in that relationship and in that workplace. Again, we're not here to be best friends with everyone, but you don't want to be disagreeable either. So you want to, you can disagree, but don't be disagreeable. In other words, try and meet people halfway. That, that's what compromise is, and that's what respect is, and that's what conscientiousness is. You, you are there to try your best to make things work with people. I, I like that quote. You can disagree, but don't be disagreeable. Thank you so much, Paul. I guess I also sometimes get nervous in terms of if the senior is going to be angry. And Kylie, I guess you've probably had, you know, a lot of experience in people who have been quite angry about their medical legal situation. Yeah. Do you have any tips on responding to a senior or a person that I'm discussing with who gets quite angry? Yeah, it's a good question, Eddie, because... I know that when uh, someone is angry and seems to be yelling at you, you feel like you're being attacked and, and sometimes you might want to be defensive yourself. And so I think the first thing is, is just to try to remain calm. And I know that's easier said than done, but I, I think that that's where that rehearsal that um, uh, Paul talked about comes in. So if you have got that rehearsed, you know what you're going to say. And so you can kind of uh, try to stick with that and it's already in your mind and trying to keep your voice steady and even and and, and so that it doesn't escalate right. but you might want to also acknowledge their anger too and say that I can understand that this makes you angry and, and try to find out some of the reasons behind that too because you don't want that um, anger to to be left um, unresolved like the reasons behind that. Yeah. Um, it's also sometimes good to think about trying to um, phrase your questions so that the other person has to say yes. So you can, you might get them to, you might paraphrase what they say and then say, "Have I got that right?" And if they have to answer yes, um, then it's it's hard to remain angry with someone if you're agreeing with them. So that's something that you can try. Thanks, Kylie. I like that identifying and acknowledging the anger. That's quite interesting. But would you say the same tip? for any other challenging emotions? Yeah, I think it's important to um, be explicit and, and name those emotions. And I think that way that person feels like they're being heard. So saying things like, I can see that you're upset, um, but I, I really do value your opinions and I really enjoy working with you. And it's really important that we can try to work together in this. Um, and I guess, Paul, I also kind of want to direct this question to you. What happens if the person that you're talking to doesn't want to engage in the conversation at all and kind of essentially refuses to speak to you? Any tips if I got into a situation like that? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good, good question, Eddie. Um, classic trick here is to use open-ended questions such as, can you tell me what your perspective is on what I just said? If you use closed-ended questions, i.e., is this right, yes or no, 
um, did this happen, yes or no, you won't get much conversation. Whereas you might use that trick for people who are talking too much. <laughs> what would it be if it was the other way around, as in if somebody was dominating the conversation, kind of talking over you and things like that? Um, any examples, any tips there? Yeah, so um, yes, uh, that happens. That happens if someone's dominating the conversation or dominating your conversation with them. If you know there's going to be tension and dominant personalities, it's good to sometimes say, it's my turn to talk, please. I've given you your chance. I'm trying to be respectful here. Please, can we take turns? Now, again, nine times out of ten, most people just comply. Um, but sometimes they don't, and you need to occasionally say, if you're going to continue talking over me, I'm afraid I'm going to uh, end this conversation. You have, have a very high threshold for that because, obviously, once you do that, you're not going to solve anything there that day. You're going to have to leave it for another day. I feel much more confident in talking to a senior so that when a serious matter does actually come up, maybe in the future, or I just need to, you know, there's a small conflict that needs to be resolved. I go in there more confident with a more collaborative perspective, um, with the mentality that maybe we can go get a win-win outcome. And if not, just a tolerable outcome in any case. Any other tips for me that we haven't covered yet? I mean, there's there's lots, but a couple of other things that come to mind, is, and these are little things, but but certainly very poignant, very powerful, is to use words, uh, the words and instead of but, because if you say you're a valued member of the team, but if you don't change this, things will happen. It discounts the first part, the positive part. So and is really important. So you could say. Uh, you're a valued member of the team and you'll become even a more productive member of the team if you improve your time management. So see just by one word how it changes that sentence to build on the positivity and make it constructive. Another nice tip that I always tell people is use we uh, wherever you can. So especially when you're using the negative, it's someone at your level and you say, we need to improve our communication Uh, because if we improve our communication, things will be better for everyone. Uh, and that's really important. So when you talk about challenging things, use we, whereas when you take uh, when you take the um, angle of responsibility and accountability, you, you say I. You, you're taking, again, ownership of what I need to do uh, and what I will try and do better. And then that encourages people to say, well, you know what, I will then do X, X, X to improve as well. So that really shows um, uh, leadership. And then you can also say, look, I look forward to when we can work on different options. And that way you, you're conveying to the person that, uh, you know, I'm keen to move forward and try something um, different. I really like those ideas, Paul. Um, so just as we're wrapping up, I just did want to um, go back to what you mentioned earlier, that there are some circumstances in which um, an informal discussion um, or trying to resolve that conflict might be inappropriate. So if you are experiencing bullying or overt threatening behaviour, then it's probably better to go through some more formal pathways. So um, reporting a grievance or misconduct are more appropriate. And it's also a good idea to consider the legal implications before you make any significant decisions. So that's when you might refer to your hospital protocols, but also contact um, us, your MDA, um, and for some advice and, and, and talking that through. Awesome. Thank you so much, Paul. And thank you so much, Kylie. I think 
probably the most helpful points that I've had and something that's resonated with me is what you said, Paul, resolving conflict with a more senior or anyone really improves your relationship. I think having that perspective makes you approach the conversation from a more collaborative kind of perspective than one of blame or hate or anything like that. I think another you know really good point you made was approach it for a win-win solution. But if there is no great solution, that you know have the have the mindset that there is always going to be a tolerable outcome for both. I think also Kylie, what you mentioned was you know if the person I'm talking to is quite emotional or angry or upset, just being able to acknowledge that and identifying that, um, and using more open-ended questions if they're not engaging in the conversation and using more, as you said, poor closed questions if they're kind of dominating the conversation and, and acknowledging that as well. So I think after this, I'm going to practice with my colleagues and because I think practice makes perfect. Happy to have helped. I, I love being involved in these discussions and very, very happy to participate in this. So thank you for having me. Thanks to both of you and all the doctors out there for your work. At MDA, we do like to hear about your work situations and, and where they can be quite challenging because I guess talking about them and helping you come up with solutions and thinking about some ideas does help us to help others. And so it's always good to give us a call if you need advice. So thanks. No worries. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Eddie. Yeah, likewise. Thanks very much. We'll see you later. I'll see you guys later. A reference list for this podcast Carly and Eddie's video discussion of medico legal advice for if you're asked to perform a new medical role and an article with conflict resolution tips are on our website at mdanational.com.au. Just search for the word diplomacy. The article is particularly helpful because it overviews the desk script strategy for assertively responding to disagreement and reaching an amicable solution, which Paul mentioned that he recommends. Many doctors at MDA National's conflict resolution workshops have found the desk script an empowering framework. And a special thanks to Dr. Eddie Kim, Dr. Kylie Kim, and Dr. Paul Eleutherio for their time, effort, and expertise in creating this resource. Please note that the content of this presentation is generic information only and doesn't account for the health requirements of any particular individual, nor does it account for the particular facts relevant to any legal, financial, or workplace issue. MDA national members need to contact us for specific advice. As Kylie said, please don't hesitate to contact us, especially if you think you may need medical legal advice. Pre-call 1-800-011-255 or email advice at mdanational.com.au. This podcast was published in August 2020. Thank you for listening and for your contribution to community health and the well-being of your workplace. Best wishes. Stay safe.